an intro to use. Shit, we're... I mean, we were pretty consistent on getting episode Consistent-ish on getting episodes out for three months. And now we've been gone for three months. And we still had six months and we still don't have a fucking intro. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of forgot what we did before. I think we would just say... Welcome back to another episode of Spooky State of Mind. Spooky. (laughs) I think we need to address the elephant in the room. Clearly, we went on a three-month hiatus. We were not planning on that. But on the morning of January 6th, on January 5th, I was editing our episode, like the final edits. Yeah, it was almost done, huh? It was almost done. In the first few minutes, I was like, I'm so fucking tired of being pregnant this baby's not going to come because Quinn was late. So this girl's going to be late. And then I went into labor three weeks earlier than we planned. (laughs) So yeah, we took an impromptu hiatus, which really sucks because Jasmine and I were ready. Like we had all these topics that we were going to cover. We were really going to start recording and I was going to have a bunch of mini-sodes. I had research, I had topics so that when I did go on essentially maternity leave, it We'd still have material for everyone, but uh, my kid had different plans for me. Yeah, we weren't too great with our planning. We probably should have done that earlier, which was the plan, but, you know, shit happens. They tell you when you're prepping for your second kid, if you need to arrange childcare for your first kid, it's kind of like, oh, well, just base it off your first one because it's kind of around the same time frame. And my labors could not have been different it was night and day from both of their labors so it's just a totally different experience i think we were even already like starting to work on the next episode because i think we were going to do movies yes yes, i had no idea what the hell i wanted to do so i was kind of (laughs) happy when it didn't happen (laughs) and then i didn't text you or anything and i was just like sorry girl i'm I'm fucking dying over here. I knew. I knew because I was like, I haven't heard from her. But I was like, I'm not going to disturb her. We were supposed to record that night, I think. Or something was going to happen that night. I think we were either going to record or you were supposed to post the episode and you didn't. Yeah, something like that. Because we were posting our episodes on Fridays and I went into labor. Like my water broke at 1240. So a little bit after midnight on, on Friday. Yep. So I was like, huh, like this is weird. I like either the episode hasn't been posted or something. And so I was just like, well, it was already late here and her time. It was even later. So I'm like, I'm just going to not. It can't wait till tomorrow. And then she wakes me up, I think the next morning or calls me the next morning and was like, so like what happened? Baby. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oops. Yeah. <laughs> oops. She couldn't wait. That's what happened there. But she was healthy. Everything went well. Ish. I mean, I almost died. Oh, no. Just to spare everyone the details. It was my labor and like delivery was fucking amazing. It was so fast. It was so great, which is completely different than my first one. I remember I told you when you said um, what time you went into labor and when she was born, I was like, oh, that was fast. Like, that was easy compared to your first one. And you gave me a death look like, bitch, it was not. I almost died. (laughs) Yes, it was not fucking easy. It was the (laughs) hardest thing I've ever done. And so my first labor, just for context, was 35 hours. And this one was three and a half. 
it was insane. And that morning I had an appointment with my um, midwife and I wasn't dilated at all. So when I went into labor, I literally went zero to 100 in three and a half hours. But that part was great. It was wonderful. I mean, it was fucking hard and excruciating, but it was wonderful. And it's it was all the aftermath that was really hard. And I gave birth at a birth center and I did have to be transferred to a hospital just because I wasn't doing so hot. But but we're doing well. We were fine. I got discharged from the hospital like 36 hours later. So I did have to stay in the hospital a bit longer than we had we had planned, but we were doing well and we still are. Yeah, she's three months old now. Anything else new happening with you? Yes. So actually last weekend I was in the ER because I had a mental breakdown. So I'm on new medication, slowly starting to take effect. My husband and me, we decided that I need to be closer to family so I can get some help with the kids while I work on my mental health because it's it's really hard. Because I'm putting so much of my energy into my kids, a 24-7 job. And so I don't have any time for myself. So I'm going to go with my family for a little bit, which is, this is the news that I was, that I told Jasmine that I had some news. Oh, you're coming back. I'm going to be in California for three weeks. Woohoo, okay. Yeah, just so I can get some help with the kids. Yeah, I'm going to be traveling with, it's just going to be me by myself with the two kids. Because my husband's going to stay and he he needs to work. That's so exciting. I can't wait to see you. Mm-hmm. So I'll be there for three weeks. So I leave on May 2nd. Oh, that's less than a month away. Yeah, that's that's in like three weeks. Reunited and it feels so good. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. But yeah, I, I feel you on the being away. I mean, girl, I literally only moved two hours away from all my family and friends for one year um and that was hard for me it was hard i don't have kids like i've said millions of times but i couldn't find work i didn't know anybody Mm -hmm. i didn't have money to go out and meet people i mean you know my fiance was working and all that but i feel like maybe this is something you can relate like even though i know he would take care of me i would still feel guilty spending money like unnecessarily like leisurely or whatever I don't know if you feel the same way or have ever felt that way. Yes, all the time. And even when it's for necessary things, I still feel guilty. When I look at that grocery bill, I'm like, damn, what could I have left out? Yes, exactly. So it was it was. I know damn well it's nothing. It's not our fault that groceries are so expensive. But I I feel guilty, even though it's not my fault. Exactly. I felt all of that and I just was not myself and jazz. He felt bad. He did say, like, you know what? I had suggested, like, should we move back? What do you think? Like, obviously, I'm a city girl. We moved somewhere that is a city, but it's still far away. And so he was on board. He was like, yes, because you are not the same person. Um, You're different. And I don't like this version of you. So we moved back. And here we are now. So I, I definitely feel you. And you're hours away. I can imagine how you're feeling. You require a whole day trip to get over here to be with your family so yes if you drive non-stop it is a 22 hour drive so it's it's rough i can understand not oh my god there's a mosquito in here fuck <sighs> these guys left the door open it's huge hold on i got it's not a it. mosquito if it's huge it's not a mosquito it's a crane fly it's huge that means it still can bite me or something no they don't bite yeah it's a crane fly 
I'm still gonna kill it. One moment. <laughs> What's that in your hand? Oh no, I missed. I scared it. It literally will not bite you. Okay, got it. I don't think she has her headphones in, so she can't hear me. Hold on, I can't hear you. <laughs> yeah, that's right, motherfucker. Get out of my house. Oh, the chair just flicked my titty. <laughs> when I sat down, it like pushed it up. <laughs> All right, I killed it. You could have left it alone. They don't do anything. I don't care. They disturb me. They get in my face. You know what? We we have so many of them here. But I was going to say, if they do get into my house, I don't care because my dogs eat them. My dogs are like 10 times bigger than yours, so they can Yeah. My dog so weighs like jump 20 pounds. I want to get a second dog so bad, but I know I have to like... Make sure this guy is a little bit tamed, you know? Yeah. And I, I really feel like my dog is like a silver tooth kid. <laughs> like he's a little shit and, but the thing is like uh that's why i got him that long leash i got him a 50 foot leash so we can like play with him outside and still be able to pull him in because he's like i was saying he's super friendly and he doesn't know boundaries and i don't i'm not gonna allow him to do whatever the fuck he wants just because he's a small dog and like berate all the other dogs especially some that might be more introverted so i got him that so we could play outside but I could still pull him in and he can get energy out because he is like full of energy. So I'm trying to find ways. I, I don't know. I came across like a video that said like to wind down your dog when they're done playing because he'll still have energy and I never know what to do. Like you just ran outside forever and you still have energy. So I got to find a way to wind him down so that he can relax. Yeah. Also like mental stimulation is really good for them. Mm-hmm. Does he like puzzles? He does. He's really good at them. No, I was going to say like. Frito, we can't give him puzzles that he can't solve. We give him a puzzle, he's done with it, and then he just looks at you like, okay, can I have more? And then Lily just looks at it, and she just won't care. She just looks at it away. She, it's he, it's not worth it for her. He does like puzzles, and he's good at them. He figures them out quick. Yeah, same with Frito. So, like, one of the things that we did, I saw this on TikTok, like, forever ago. You save all your cardboard boxes, cereal boxes, boxes wherever, like, snacks come in and things like that. And you put kibble in them. So after you get like a good pile of cardboard, you get some of those like smaller boxes and you put kibble in them and you, some of them you'll tape them. Some of them you just close them and just kind of put it all in a big pile. So then your dog has to sniff through all that cardboard to find the reward. So yeah, like my dogs will like go like to town while doing that. But it's really messy. I tried giving him cardboard boxes just like that. I'll try the kibble though. He doesn't mess with them. So I don't know if he sees that I'm willingly giving it to him. And he's like, no, because you willingly gave it to me. I'm not going to fuck it up. But um, hold on. Let me give him a fucking treat. I found another way to get him busy for a little bit. And I'm about to do it right now. Hold on. And I'll tell you about it when I'm back. So the setup that I have for him in our apartment, we have his crate. It's, it's He's under the stairs. So we have his crate. And then I have like a little gate that we would have outside. And we put it inside. And we... Attach it to one side of the crate, open it up into a circle onto the door of the crate so that it's like a little corral for him and in the apartment for when we leave to work. He's not just in his crate. And so what I do is on the outside, I'll put a tree and so he'll stick his paw out and he'll try to get it and pull it through the holes, but it moves and he's like messing and it takes him like 10 minutes to finally get it in. And I'm like, hey, that's a smart way to get him going. Entertained, Yeah. 
Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so that's what I just did right now. So anyways, how have you been? I know we haven't talked to him like forever. Uh, yeah, it has been a while. I've been good. Um, I was about to say nothing new with me, but actually I moved. So I moved out of my parents. We had We moved in with them because from where we lived before, it was just really hard to find a place out here without getting desperate and just picking any random place. So my parents were like, move in with us and then you can freely look for another place to live whenever you feel it's time. They We could have stayed there for as long as we wanted pretty much, but it just ended up being too many adults in one household and yeah, it's a duplex. So it's like us in the front and my sister in the back with her husband and my nephew. So it's just like a lot of cars and a lot of adults. So it got too like tedious. So we decided to look for another place to move to, and we did. We are just in the next city over, so not too far. Jazz didn't want to go far because he didn't want me to be far from my family. Well, he also has his clients, like, in that area. Yeah, that's what we're doing now. We moved out. We, we got a town home. It's a two-bedroom. And his cousin moved down here, and we all live together. So that's pretty cool. I just keep hearing the baby cry, so it just makes me want to go grab her. Yeah. But Aww. Gary's with her. I'm going to go check on them. Go ahead. All right. We got some Tylenol for the baby because everyone was really sick. Gary was really sick for about two weeks. Like He didn't go to work for two weeks because he got the flu and it ended up turning into bronchitis, an ear infection, and pink eye. And so the rest of us got sick, but she's a baby. So she's been, she's congested and it's just really hard. So we gave her some Tylenol because she she's running a little warm. So hopefully she can get some rest. All right, but what were we talking about? Well, is it time to get into this episode? Yeah, we're 34 minutes in, so. With half of it just being. I know, half of it's like Uh taking breaks, like, oh shit, the baby. Oh shit, Marcus. Oh, but just real quick, just a few updates to the podcast. I'm sure you all have noticed the new cover art. Yeah, I figured it was just time for a little facelift, but. Our episodes, we're trying to figure out a good schedule. This is the first time that we're recording since I've had the baby. So we're going to try to figure out a schedule that works, whether we turn into a bi-weekly show where we're going to have a longer show every two weeks or kind of cut it down, like have a shorter episode once a week. So only one of us will tell a story. We don't know. We're going to try to play around with it and figure it out and see what works for us just because... We want to keep doing this, so we just need to find something that fits into our, or into my new schedule. I think that was the only update logistically, besides we're we're back. Yeah. All right. Well, without further ado, we're going to get into this. So we decided to go with creatures just because it's very broad. We can kind of pick what anything that we wanted in that category. Yeah, because I think sometimes we struggle with trying to pick something because sometimes when it's extremely specific i think for me the hardest one so far that we've done is movies yeah i don't know how i felt about those i think we might just like strike them it was a cool topic to think about but it's just it's just it's hard with two under two it is so hard to find the time to watch a movie but anyways for this week i did vampires so i love vampires i always have i think they're so cool And not necessarily those like Twilight. (laughs) Yeah, those Twilight sparkly vampires or like Vampire Diaries where they're just like all beautiful. You know, it's just I I really like the scary vampires and just just all the different types of vampires. Because I think, what did I do? Not the Mananangal, but the, it was a different Filipino uh, folklore. Oswongs. 
that's a type of vampire. So, you know, it's such an umbrella term and I think it's so cool. But yeah, like I said, it's such a huge topic. So I decided to cover the first vampire. There are different accounts on what would be considered the first. So I'll have a few different talking points ranging from historical accounts to pop culture. Speaking of pop culture, and I'll get some hate for this, but you already mentioned it. I was totally a twihard. <laughs> but I looked it up and apparently there were twilighters and twihards with the latter being the obsessive ones. But I had only ever heard of twihards, so that's what I'm going to go with. I had never heard of either, but I also enjoy Twilight and honestly... Sometimes when I feel like watching it, I'll just watch the last two movies. They're the best out of all of them. I've been wanting to rewatch them for the longest time. I think I was pregnant with Quinn when I wanted to start rewatching them because when I was on maternity leave, I didn't do shit. Like we had, I had finished nesting or not even finished nesting, but like I had finished getting everything ready by 37 weeks. And I went on maternity leave at maternity leave at 36, but she wasn't delivered until close to 41. So I was just sitting on my ass. I mean, I was fucking huge, so I was really tired. I couldn't do anything. But I was just re-watching shows, re-watching movies. I think I watched like all of Lord of the Rings, uh, Midnight Mass, How I Met Your Mother. I ended up re-watching that. I started Modern Family and just, you know, different things. But anyways, I was super into Twilight, the book's and the movies and honestly i was team edward i liked jacob better but i thought bella should be with edward yeah i feel the same but looking back like holy shit i'm team charlie (laughs) i'll just stay in my lane just like him i'll just i'll just stay in my lane we're growing our taste has changed (laughs) yes and some of the relationships in that book not even some of the relationships like all of them are so toxic and there's so many red flags yeah i don't know like i'm definitely not a twihard anymore but i loved them when they be they were popular i think that's why i like the last two movies i mean i read all the books too i actually i even have the audiobooks oh my god <laughs> i got them when i was i don't know a teenager or whatever But the movies, I think that's why I enjoy watching the last two so much because, I mean, it was still weird and obsessive and the relationship, you know, but... I've never watched the last two. You should. I feel like that's probably the most healthy the relationship looks like. I own the first three movies on DVD because my mom loved watching them with me too. (laughs) You should watch the last two. Trust me, they're freaking great. I mean, I want to. I want to rewatch them. I just I just don't have the time. They're the least cringy. Like, that's why I don't always go from the beginning because they're just too cringy for me. Oh, but that's what I love about it sometimes. <laughs> Not always. I can't always do it. I'll watch from the beginning, but sometimes I'll just cut to the last two movies. No, currently I've been, I have, what do I have? I have, I'm rewatching Gilmore Girls. It's just not in the background when like my kids are asleep or I'm rewatching Lord of the Rings for like, for the millionth time again when my kids are asleep just little bits here and there i never finished gilmore girls i know oh i thought I you were remember. gonna say lord of the rings oh my god i've never seen lord of the rings <gasps> <laughs> I, know, I know i know oh my god i swear we need to do fucking like a video podcast so you could see my face yeah but gilmore girls i didn't finish because how i think i just kept seeing things and i don't even know how maybe that was my mistake i might have looked it up um, just like things and then people were like saying that Rory was really annoying because she couldn't pick between like two or three guys and then 
It just like made me feel icky and I was like, I don't want to finish it. Are you talking about like a year in the life? Wait, am I confusing him? Rory's, is that's the daughter, right? The teenager? Yeah. No, I didn't even watch it. In, I didn't even watch that because I was like, again, everybody was saying that she was just, it just seemed like I would not like her character and I didn't want to finish it. I guess in my mind, like I said, I didn't finish it, but just seeing like how she progressed as a character, um, I was kind of like, it's okay to make mistakes, but like not only are you studious, you're like a freaking doormat and you're just making dumbass decisions, bro. Like, I don't know. She just was like too much of a classic role for me and I didn't like that. So I didn't finish it. But anyways, back to the vampires. <laughs> I was talking about that I'm currently watching, like rewatching Gilmore Girls, but recently I just finished rewatching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So I wanted to cover vampires because they're on my mind. Before I had only ever watched the episodes where she was in high school and the occasional episode like here and there. So it was pretty cool rewatching the earlier episodes and then watching for the first time those later episodes. So the reason I think there are different accounts for like the first vampire is because vampires aren't just born. And if we look at it from an evolutionary standpoint, they didn't evolve from anything either. In most instances, the vampires are created by other vampires. They have to be sired. It reminded me of like what came first, the chicken or the egg. And my sister actually proposed that it was the egg that came first. And it was through two different species kind of got it on and the chicken was born, but the chicken was inside the egg. I totally agree with this, but it doesn't necessarily work with vampires. Like from many accounts, vampires can't reproduce with each other because they're undead. And for all intents and purposes, let's say they're sterile like a mule or a liger. But there's also instances of vampires acting as incubi and impregnating women. So that throws the whole sterile theory out the window. But what's created isn't another vampire. It's kind of like a hybrid sort of creature. So how do you get another actual vampire? Again, they have to be sired. So how did the first one come to be without another vampire present. And that's what got me thinking about the first vampire because I got one idea and then I go down a million different rabbit holes. I mean, I went down a few rabbit holes that said if a cat like walks in front of you or walks over your corpse, you'll become a vampire. Or if you're a baby and you're born with teeth, you'll be a vampire. And just, I'm not gonna go down those routes, but I'm just gonna jump right into like the first historical figure that could be seen as a vampire, but that word didn't quite exist yet. And so this historical figure would be considered the oldest vampiric deity dating back to 1500 BCE in Egypt. So that's a fucking long time ago. Mm-hmm. And this deity is Sekhmet. I think I'm saying that right. Fingers crossed. Okay, Bathory. <laughs> I know, right? I was actually just <laughs> listening to um, the Myths and Legends podcast. That episode. And they were me. talking about Dracula and vampires. And it's funny because it was after I did this research and I'm like, hey, vampires. But anyways, he was talking about that you can't talk about vampires without talking about Elizabeth Bowtree. And I'm just like, man, we done fucked up. We really butchered her fucking name. <laughs> Anyways, Sekhmet, she was the goddess of war and healing. And at one point, she could spread disease and cure it. So this lioness, because that's what she looked like, she was a lioness, 
held a lot of power and was rightfully feared and worshipped throughout and is considered to be a prominent figure in the Egyptian pantheon. Now, her possessing both the power of disease and being able to cure it parallels that of vampiric archetypes, having both eternal death and eternal life. Another vampiric paradigm she exhibits is drinking the blood of those whom she slaughtered in order to gain more power and strength. One source I read said that her bloodlust was so strong that she nearly annihilated humanity. So that's just a really quick little tidbit on her. Um, She was kind of seen as like the old, like I said, vampiric deity or like one of the oldest ones from 1500 BCE. Like always, super interesting. There's a lot more and I don't have enough time to cover it in this episode. So maybe I'll do a mini-sode, but we know me and holding myself accountable and following through. It's probably not gonna happen. If you follow me on TikTok, I'm just like, I don't follow through with fucking anything. Same, Like, I don't know if it's my ADHD or honestly probably is my ADHD. I get bored of something or I'm not hyper fixated and then I'm like, okay, on to the next thing. But anyways, um, so that was the first or not necessarily the first, but like the oldest historical deity. And the first person described as a vampire in like written records was a person named Ure Grando. I think I'm pronouncing it right. He was born in 1579 and passed away in 1656 and resided in a small village in the region of Istria, which is now modern day Croatia. He was referred to as a Strigon by the local villagers, which reminds me of Strigoi. And Strigoi, from what I read very briefly, are living humans infected with vampirism. It's so much more nuanced and there's a lot to cover with that. Again, I'd like to do a mini-sode, but we know how that goes with me. If you want to look into it yourself, it's part of Slavic folklore and the show The Strain. You can watch it on Hulu. has a modern take on the ancient folklore. It's a pretty good show. I watched it about like five or six years ago and it's really good. Anyway, back to Yure. His death was related to illness, but legend says that he came back to haunt and terrorize the villagers for 16 years. Giorgio, the village priest, noticed that at night, some of the villagers would have their doors knocked on, and a few days later, someone from that household would die. During the same time, Yuri's widow, Ivana, claimed that her deceased husband would appear in her bedroom window, looking at her with a horrid smile and gasping for air before he would enter the home and essay her. Do I have to say essay? I think on the podcast, it's fine. I'm just like, so used to like TikTok, you know, when everything has to be like censored. I know. Ivana confided this to the priest. And when he finally came face to face with Yure, he held out a cross and yelled, behold, Jesus Christ, you vampire, stop tormenting us. Many of the bravest villagers set out for Yure and tried piercing his heart with a hawthorn stick, but it was all in vain because it would just bounce off his chest. The following night, nine villagers went to the town graveyard where they exhumed Yure's body and found it to be perfectly preserved with a sinister smile across its face. Father Giorgio said, Look, Strigon, there is Jesus Christ who saved us from hell and died for us. And you, Strigon, you cannot have peace. They then proceeded to pierce his heart, but as before, it was all in vain. 
After the failed attempt to stake the vampire and a few exorcism prayers later, one of the villagers got a saw and began to decapitate him. As soon as the saw cut through his undead flesh, blood began flowing and the vampire let out a blood-curdling scream. According to legend, peace was finally restored to the village after his decapitation. And if... Question? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, she just raised her arm. (laughs) I was scratching my pit. Okay, I was scratching my arm, but it was near my pit. Anyways, if you travel to Croatia today, make sure you visit Kringa because they have embraced their vampiric history and have opened up a vampire-themed bar. Uh And actually, that folklore about staking a vampire through their heart, which is how they kill vampires and, you know, Buffy, because I was watching that, it's not necessarily because it, like, turns them to dust or anything. I mean, now it does in some folklore. I guess in modern folklore, I guess the most common ways to kill a vampire are staking them through the heart or decapitating them or burning them. But you would stake a vampire just to keep him pinned or her to keep it pinned down in their coffin so they wouldn't get up. It was very practical. There was nothing like mystical or anything. So I thought that was really interesting. All right. So that is the first QN described as a vampire. And this one's actually my favorite. And it is a Greek myth on the creation story of a vampire. So this one's going to be a little longer because I said, like I said, it's my favorite one. So unlike the Egyptian god where she was kind of born and all of her acts are what made made her not necessarily a vampire, but in today's world, we would see her as a vampire. So there is a Greek myth about the vampire's origin in this story. The vampire started out as a man and the Greek gods were the ones to turn him into a vampire. So Ambrosio was an Italian adventurer whose quests led him to Greece in order to have his fate told by the Oracle of Delphi. When he arrived at the temple to receive his prophecy, the oracles only said, The curse. The moon. The blood will run. So that's pretty cryptic and Ambrosio couldn't get any sleep and so he stayed outside the temple all night thinking about what the oracle had said trying to figure out what it meant when he finally realized that he hadn't slept he started making his way back to town when he noticed a beautiful woman dressed in white oh i know you see a woman in white and it's like do you not know any i mean it was you know ancient greece so they didn't have the archetypes now, but a woman in white, no, you turn around, you leave, you don't engage. Mm-hmm. But it worked out because this ended up being Celine, and she told him that she was a maiden of the temple, which was Apollo's temple, and a sister of the oracle. He saw her every day before she had to tend to the temple, and they soon fell in love. And on his last day in Greece, he asked Celine to marry him, and she agreed. However, Apollo, the sun god, had been watching Selene because it was his temple and had taken a liking to her. And in true Greek god fashion, he was angry that a mere mortal had taken away his maiden. Apollo cursed Ambrosio and made it that a mere touch of Apollo's sunlight on Ambrosio's skin would burn. So there's your vampire. Like, they can't be in the sunlight. Not because they sparkle, because they burn. It was a fine twist, but it was a little weird. Yeah. Ambrosia was supposed to meet Celine in the morning so they could leave together. 
But obviously this couldn't happen anymore. So he made his way to the underworld to ask Hades for help. He pled his case and Hades agreed to help on one condition. Hades would grant Ambrosio and Selene protection in the underworld if Ambrosio could get the silver bow from Artemis, which that's a pretty hard task. I mean, you're not just taking the bow of a skilled hunter. She's the goddess of hunting for like crying out loud. So it's sure you can have my protection if you take her bow. That's a little impossible. But Ambrosio was very tenacious. And so Hades gave Ambrosio Ambrosio a wooden bow and 11 arrows to hunt with. And whatever he gained from his hunt, he would offer that to Artemis. And hopefully that would be enough tribute to trade for the silver bow. So Ambrosio agreed and left his soul in the underworld as collateral. So there we go. Vampire burned skin with the sunlight and having no soul. And Ambrosio, being the good guy that he was, didn't want Celine to think he was abandoning her. So he found a way to get in contact with her. He killed a swan and used its bloody feather as a pen to write a note to Celine. And he left it in their meeting place. So, you know, she knew that he didn't just was like, peace. He kept doing this in order to leave her love poems, but when he got to his last arrow, he aimed at a swan and missed and was distraught that he wouldn't be leaving a poem for Celine. If you're hunting swans to write poems for the person you love, wouldn't it be better if you tried to actually hunt some bigger game in order to please Artemis so then you could actually be with the person you love rather than writing them poems no just me it's all for the dramatics seriously it's all it's all for the drama it's uh like what is it like do for the gram yeah that's the thing do people still say that I don't think so I remember it was like do it for the vine I think we've surpassed that nobody says do it for tiktok Mm -mm. so anyway Artemis was pretty moved with his dedication and came down to him where he begged to use her silver bow so he could write one last poem to Selene. Artemis agreed and upon handing the silver bow to Ambrosio, he took it and began running to the underworld. Now Ambrosio was fast, but not faster than a curse. Artemis was so displeased with his attempted trickery, she cursed him by making all silver burn his skin. So there you go. You have the whole vampires don't like silver thing. So Ambrosio begged for forgiveness and pleaded his case. And he confessed that he only did what he did for Hades tasks for Hades task in order to work around Apollo's curse. Again, all because he was so in love with Selene and just wanted to be with her. Artemis took pity on him. She gave him one last chance at redemption in which she praised his previous hunting skills and offered him immortality as a great hunter. He would have the speed and the strength of a god, and he would hunt with fangs that would enable him to drain animals of their blood in order to keep writing poems to Selene. So there you get the other vampire archetypes. So that sounds pretty sweet, right? Like, why would Artemis offer such a great gift to someone who she just cursed for trying to steal her bow? Well, If he wanted the gift, he would have to accept the other end of the deal. Ambrosio and Selene would have to leave Apollo's temple and worship only Artemis. 
but Artemis was a virgin goddess and all of her followers had to remain unmarried and celibate. So Ambrosio agreed because at least he and Selene would be together, even though they would never be allowed to touch, marry, or have children. Damn. So Ambrosio then killed another swan and left Selene a message, letting her know to meet at the docks the following morning. So Selene went down to the docks and saw a coffin with a note saying it could only be opened after sundown. Once the sun set, she saw Ambrosio alive-ish and well, <laughs> and they sailed off to Ephesus. Ephesus? I should have looked that one up too. Anyways, they sailed off where they could worship Artemis and they lived happily ever after. Oh. Except Ambrosio was immortal and Celine wasn't. Oh. And as Celine laid on her deathbed, Ambrosio was distraught because he could never be with Celine in the afterlife because his soul was stuck in the underworld with Hades. Because he never got the silver bow. So he went down to a lake. He killed a swan and offered it to Artemis, who then appeared to him. He begged for her to make Selene immortal so they could be together forever. And Artemis was so pleased with their years of devotion that she agreed. But of course, there's always a catch. Ambrosio could finally touch Selene just once, but it would essentially last forever. He could touch her only to drink her blood and her mortal body would die. But once her blood mixes with his, anyone who drinks it would then become immortal. I mean, this is a very common vampiric trope that we see. You know, the mixing and the drinking of the blood and all that stuff to become a vampire. Because, I mean, if a vampire just drinks your blood, they essentially kill you. So it's the mixing of the bloods. Ambrosio didn't like this. And he told Celine what Artemis had said. And he pleaded his case that he was against it, but Selene begged him to carry it out. After much back and forth, Ambrosio agreed and bit her neck. As he set her limp body on the ground, it began to radiate light and lift to the moon to meet Artemis. And thus, Selene became the goddess of moonlight. Now, every night, Selene would radiate her light and touch Ambrosio and all their children the newly sired vampires who carried both of their blood. So I like that story. I like that creation story of the vampires. I like it too. Yeah, I thought it was a really nice story. A little sad, but it was really nice. But they always have to be sad. It's always got to be some kind of tragedy. Oh, of course. It's a Greek tragedy. It's a Greek drama. I did mention earlier that I would just dabble a little bit into pop culture. So I just wanted to talk about two quick shows. I'm going to talk about the originals. I never watched The Vampire Diaries, but I did kind of watch like half of the originals. And I really liked the creation story that like they took. So I wanted to cover it real quick. The whole show's basis is on the originals or I guess the first generation of vampires. And basically they're, you know, super, super powerful and like vampire royalty, but not actual royalty. A lot of drama surrounding them. I guess that's why there's a show. Because of the drama. Not covering the drama, just the creation of the first vampire. So the originals were created at the turn of the 11th century as a result of Mikhail, the original's father, wanting to make himself and his children immortal and superior to werewolves who had been responsible for the death of his youngest. 
So Mikhail went to Anya, who was a witch ally to the family, but she refused to complete the spell, heeding warning that there would be extreme repercussions. When she refused, he went to his wife, Esther, who did complete the spell, despite all of Anya's warnings, and thus a new predator was created. So the vampire in this story is essentially created by magic. And it just kind of backfired, which is why there's the, you know, no soul and sunlight's bad and they can die by like being staked through the heart kind of a thing. So I couldn't mention that I watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer without talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. In the first season, she goes up against the first and oldest vampire, but that's not the one I'm going to touch on. If you want to watch the first season, it's a short season, only a few episodes. You can watch it on Hulu. Super great. First season's a little weird, but 10 out of 10 recommend the show. It's wonderful. But I'm going to talk about the Turakan. I couldn't find anything on the Turakan besides what's on the Buffyverse. So I'm not too sure if there's some info on them deeper on the web or if they were like created for the show. I did see them mentioned again in a different show, but nothing besides that. So the Turakan are described as the Neanderthals to vampires. Basically what Neanderthals are to humans, the Turakan are to vampires. And they have incredible strength and are referred to as uber vamps because they possess even more intense strength and are super powerful. Crosses and holy water don't seem to have any power over them. And I don't remember if this was covered on the show, but I'm pretty sure that crosses and holy water don't have any effect on the Turok Han because they were around before religion was created. Is anyone home with you right now? Did they come back? They've been home. Why? Is there anyone in your bathroom? No. Don't tell me you saw something. I saw like a shadow, like across the door from from the bathroom to like the laundry room. Maybe my lighting. Do you want to get Jazz to check that out for you? No. <laughs> okay. The bathroom is tiny. Ain't nobody in there. But I'm wondering if it's like a shadow from outside because we do have a window in the bathroom. And like our balcony's there and, and everyone's patio's there. So it could be their light. That's probably it. But I will close the bathroom door just to be sure. Okay. Oh, by the way, my sister says que the landlord where she lives said que hay asustan. What do you mean? Like, there's something there that asustas, whoever, asusta whoever lives there. So she said that when she came home one day, she didn't know yet. And she walked into her room and from the kitchen, something fell off the counter. And she was like, what the hell? Like, she heard it fall. She went back in there. And she said it wasn't like on the edge. It was like further back on the counter. So there's no reason for it to have fallen off. And then her sister-in-law was like, oh, yeah, the landlord said, que que asustan. Oh, fuck no. Mm-hmm. Okay, so back to the Turakan. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure it has no effect because they were around before religion was created. And I mean, holy water and crosses are, you know, aspects of Christianity. Religion is a man-made construct and wasn't around at the time period of Neanderthals. Hey, Editing Alex here. Just really quick, I wanted to say, when I said religion wasn't around, I was incorrect. I meant to say Christianity wasn't around because that's what I was specifically referencing. I was referencing Christianity because of the crosses and the holy water, but there is evidence of religion as early as the Paleolithic Age, which is the Old Stone Age. So just wanted to make that quick clarification. Okay, bye.
don't tell our mo- our mother's seriously but for those curious historians estimate that early christianity began around the year 27 to 30 while neanderthals lived until around 40,000 years ago so there's a huge gap in time between the two although crosses and holy water don't have any sort of effect on them they can be staked like typical vampires and sunlight will kill them as well so yeah, that's what I found on the first vampires. Like I said, there were so many other like smaller stories. Like if you're a baby born with a tooth, you're going to be a vampire and stuff like that. But nothing necessarily on the first vampire besides like these stories and a few other like first historical accounts like Mercy Brown, which was I think she was in Rhode Island, I want to say. And she was like the first like North American or American vampire. And that's a whole other story. I know she was covered in the lore podcast and I'm pretty sure it was talked about myths and legends and a bunch of other things as well. But yeah, I just wanted to focus on like the first vampire. Like how did they come to be? Was it the chicken or the egg? I don't fucking know. I also agree with your egg theory. Um, it makes sense. Yeah, I actually remember I thought about that when I was a teenager and I made the mistake to tell my parents. Uh oh. So that didn't really end well for me. <laughs> yeah. They were like, God, Bubba. I'm like, I know, I know. Well, like, God. if you think about it, like, if a horse and a donkey get it on and have a baby, that's a mule. But mules are sterile. That I didn't know. Yes, mules are sterile. It makes sense, though. Mm-hmm. But let's say if they weren't sterile, then a mule and another mule could have a baby, and then boom, you start. More mules. Yeah, you start having a bunch of mules. So I think that's. I agree with my sister. I think that's how the chicken started. You had basically dinosaur A getting on with dinosaur B. They laid an egg and inside that egg was a chicken or dinosaur C. C for chicken. (laughs) But yeah, inside the egg was the chicken. Dino chicken appeared. But anyways, yeah, that's my story on vampires. <clears throat> okay well that's super interesting and actually it's kind of perfect that you came up with vampires because vampires are like the enemy of the creature that i will be talking about it's important to note that there is a belief that calling them by what this creature is will attract them to you. So I will try my hardest to say it as minimal as I can. And I'll just call them by other names, uh, such as shapeshifters. You can also call them changelings, but I probably won't use that. Uh, Cryptids. I don't think they're changelings. I saw and that's what it said. And I didn't think so either, but I wrote it down. Yeah, I I did want to do an episode on changelings because I think they're, they're so interesting. And the whole thing with like changelings and mental health and like behavioral health and how these kids were probably autistic or somewhere on the spectrum it's just oh so interesting and just or like had a learning disability or some other type of physical disability i think that they just do that because also um they said werewolves and i don't think they're werewolves no because there's a difference between a werewolf and these creatures which for those who haven't figured it out it's a flesh pedestrian but we will not be saying yeah, so that's, the actual name on the podcast. Yeah, so I will probably say it so you can all know. It's important to know I'm probably okay saying it. I live in the city. 
this applies more to people that tend to live in like rural areas or areas where these creatures inhabit. Which is Alex, who lives in a rural area. Yeah, so if you haven't figured it out by now, sorry, Alex, but I am talking about skinwalkers. Oh, you're making my skin crawl. <laughs> um, so in uh, their part of Native American folklore, um, specifically Navajos, uh, they're called, they call them Yinaldalushi, so, which means with it, he goes on all fours. And that's because... They are, you know, creatures like coyotes and wolves and all that. But we'll get into that um, in a little bit. But just real quick, if anyone wants to do their own research, this is indigenous research. And obviously, if you want the full context, you should be listening to an indigenous creator or some indigenous resources because we're just retelling stories on what we've heard and what we've Mm -hmm. read. Our podcast is for entertainment purposes. Yeah, so I'm not an expert. So I'm, I'm, I'll am i try to be as respectful as I can, which is why I don't want to say the name so often. So who are these shapeshifters? Um, so it is said that they were healers or medicine men, some women, but mostly men, who were corrupted by their own magic. So they practiced, you know, magic and somewhere down the line, uh, they just changed. So these humans, they are humans. A lot of people think that they can turn into humans. No, they are human beings that gain the capability to transform or possess animals, usually predators like wolves or foxes. I heard bear, even crows or owls, but typically wolves and coyotes are what they're most known for. Um, They're able to also mimic people Again, like I said, they are human, so they're able to kind of uh, mimic people. And usually they're going to sound like they're in distress because that's what they do to try to lure you to them. So as I was doing my research, like Alex said, don't take everything that I'm saying. I, I try to do as much research as I could. And I discovered that it's actually not that easy to find information on them. And this is because the native people believe that talking about them, especially amongst outsiders, will draw shapeshifters to them or some kind of curse. So they don't even really like to talk about these creatures amongst themselves, so let alone an outsider, which is why it was really hard for me to find the info that I have. And a lot of it might not be true. I I tried my best to find many different websites, but it led me to a lot of like Reddit. So I'm going to say what I found, but of course, a lot of it could be false. Yeah, take it with a grain of salt, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's something like with vampires, it's such a there's so much folklore and so it's easy to talk about them. But something like th- like your topic, it's a lot more nuanced and it has a lot more cultural ties. So it's a lot harder to talk about without yes. disrespecting the culture. So they don't talk about them so much. It's hard to get any info on them. Um, but when they do tell these stories, usually to children so that they are aware of these creatures i i believe that they're real why not you know i believe everything's real yeah i do too so i they tell children these stories and usually they'll switch it to some other type of character but then people like us like the outsiders they are pretty straightforward about what they are so that's not something that you would see natives talk about so freely and openly There are a few legends of their origin, 
the most common is the one that I told about how they're medicine men and they were corrupted by their own power and they turned. There is another legend that the Navajos, uh, and again, I, if anybody knows, you can confirm if this is even like a true legend that is spoken of. Uh, but apparently the Navajos learned to shapeshift to pretty much protect themselves um, from persecution and relocate somewhere safely so that's one but again because I have never heard that before I didn't look too much into it um, so I just heard about the healers so unlike werewolves or vampires where you have to be like where you have to be bitten to transform into them the shapeshifter curse is usually desired and acquired so again they corrupt themselves and it's something that they go out to achieve so that they can become a shapeshifter and this requires for them to commit what they consider to be the most heinous act which is the murder of a family member upon achieving this deep level of witchcraft they are usually banned forever from their tribe but by that point if they've chosen to head down that path they usually have some type of hatred and resentment towards their tribe, so... They're usually like, fuck it? Yeah, they're like, you know what? I hate you all. I'm gonna just go for it. Might as well. Yeah, so... It doesn't really phase them to be banned. They live in... So I've read that they... Like, stories of people being in the forest, but then I've also read that they're more in, like, desert areas, so... I've heard more desert... Yeah, um, I've heard that the forests, they're not really like, it's not their strong suit. You'll find them more in desert area. But then I've heard stories of both. So I'm not sure which is more accurate, especially because like I said, they tend to shapeshift. Well, I guess coyotes you can find in the desert, wolves you can find in the desert. And I was reading that because they tend to possess these predators, the Navajo people will usually try to avoid using any of those pelts uh, because of the tie that they have with these shapeshifters. Um, so what do they look like and how can you identify them? So as far as identifying them, what I really saw was an animal form. Their eyes don't look like animal eyes. They tend to look like human eyes, like they don't belong. Kind of, I guess, think of like Twilight again, uh, how she was able to recognize Jacob like oh his eyes don't look like a werewolf's mm -hmm. eyes I guess it's the same idea and then when they're in human form or specifically at nighttime they're gonna look red like hot coal um, that's one way another way that I saw is their behavior because they're not real animals they don't know how to act they might not be able to walk and strut like the real animal they might they might walk a little funny move a little bit funny and because they're predators, they if they seem to not be afraid of you, that's something that people should really be careful of. Ooh, I hear gear in the kitchen. I think he's eating, which means the baby's asleep. Finally. Finally. Which is like, I got blessed with my kids. They are both wonderful sleepers. So yeah, I got very blessed. So nights when one or the other doesn't sleep it doesn't phase us it's we know it's very normal and we're just like oh man this is rough and it just makes us appreciate even more that we have good sleepers good now don't have a third because that third might not 
<laughs> no, we're not having a third. It's not worth the risk of me dying. It's not worth it. It was too. This last one was too traumatic. I bet. Yeah. Um. Okay. See, I'm telling you, there's so much information. It makes it so hard to be as accurate as I can. Mm-hmm. And then it's hard finding a reliable source because, like, you'd yeah. want to look for something that's by like a re- like an indigenous creator or author, but it's so hard because they don't want to talk about it because it's it's scary. Right? It's rightfully scary. Mm-hmm. So yes. Their eyes are red like hot coal. And it said that with that, if you look directly into their eyes, they're able to read your mind and they're able to kind of control you and lure you away from wherever you are so that they can do what they do. So besides telepathy, um, a few other powers and abilities that I saw that they have. Oh, and besides, of course, shape-shifting. They have, as you would expect, some superhuman strength when they're human. Superhuman speed. They have some really good agility. Their skin is super tough. Even when they're animals, they tend to, re- uh, what do you call it? Like regenerate, like when you hurt yourself. Like they can bounce back a lot quickly than average Like human. superhuman healing. Yeah. And they live longer than the average human. Not sure how much longer. I can find that. I have heard, um, obviously they're very dangerous. I've also heard that they're just kind of like a menace. I actually did see videos long ago that I could not find anymore. They could have been taken down. But it was a man on a reservation that he was recording that there was something like circling his house. So they'll circle your house and you could hear like, you know, paw pads going around. They'll be on your roof and they'll kind of try to draw you out of your home. And they say that you shouldn't open your door because... You know, that can, they could take it. I don't know. Maybe they could take it as you inviting them in. Just stay in your home though. And one thing I have heard is, of course they mimic people. So they'll try to kind of, if you're by yourself, they might call you, uh, maybe not your name, but be like, Hey, like help me. I'm over here. And you could try to talk to them and they might say the same thing. I'm over here. I'm over here. And it just doesn't make sense. So you have to be careful of that. But I've also heard that when they're in animal form, if they howl, which I heard this one time and it it would make sense. But again, I don't know how accurate it is that if they howl and you hear them from far away, it actually means that they're close. And if you hear that they're close, it means they're far away. And that's like a hunting tactic that they use. To, again, lure you out. When you hear them far, you think you're safe. You walk out of your house or wherever you are. We talked about this in a different episode. We did, right? With the Oswangs, yeah. I think it was like with Mm -hmm. the Oswangs and like the Tick Tick. And I think it was whatever you covered. Or I don't know if it was what I covered. But oh, geez. Yeah. Oh, it gives me the chills. Yes. It gives me the scaries. And it it just always reminds me, if you hear your name, no, you didn't. Yeah, don't respond, don't go out there, don't, none of that. And just as a Um, pro tip, just quick aside, pro tip, whether it's paranormal or not, if someone is trying to lure you or if someone is like calling out for help, call 911 first. Call 911, give them your location, tell them what's going on, and then, and then let them take care of it. Just, just, just don't go out there yourself. The shapeshifters can get them. (laughs) 
Just kidding. (laughs) Just just don't go. Just don't Um, do it yourself. Stay safe. I also saw that because they practice dark magic to get to where they were, they do use voodoo-like tactics uh, to manipulate their victims. So, like, one would be they collect um, their target's hair and they would wrap it around um, a pottery shard and then bury it in a tarantula hole. So, should I shave my head? (laughs) Right. So I don't know how they would obtain your hair. Like again, like I said, I don't know how they would obtain your hair, but that's something that's possible to try to control you. You know, I have no ties to my hair. I mean, I shaved my head. What was it? How many years ago did I shave my head? Like 20. We were like 19 or 20, weren't we? Yeah, I think it was right before my third year of college. Okay, so like 21. I just remember we went to that Nick's thing. Yeah. The next like face like face awards or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was so fun. It we was so fun. young. We stood out there for hours. I know. For what? I mean it was I fun though. I'm not gonna lie, I did have fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was free too. It really was. Yeah. Why don't we do stuff like that anymore? I don't do anything anymore. But like even before I had kids, I didn't do shit. Once in a blue moon, I would do something. I don't do nothing. Um, so again, I saw on another. So I saw on one website that yes, they're a menace. They'll bother you and freak you out and all of that. Probably if they're not feeling like they need to kill anybody at the moment, that's what they're gonna do. I saw on a website that said that if you see one and you don't know them, and you'll know why I say this later on. Um, but if you see one and you don't know them, they have to kill you to keep you from finding out who they are. Um, it says that they use a mixture that some call corpse powder, which they blow in your face. Your tongue then turns black and you go into convulsions and you eventually die. The fuck? Yeah. Yep. So again, that's something I hadn't heard before, but that's what I read on here. Who knows? I know that besides all of that, um, they, they have to kill people in order to survive because like they're cursed and... What more are they going to do with themselves at this point? They're banned from their tribe. They can possess animals. They can control people. So, of course, they have to kill you in order to be able to survive. But if you want to know how to kill one, apparently there's a few ways to be able to do that. The one that I saw the most said that you have to shoot them with a bullet that's dipped in white ash. Now, I don't know if that means white, like (laughs) ashes that are white or like a plant that's called white ash. So I'm like, maybe you grind it down and then you like maybe dip bullet in that. It just says on here that you have to dip it in there. But I saw somewhere that it said that it has to be blessed by somebody of the same tribe. So you take it to wherever they're from and somebody there has to bless it and do some ritual to it. And then you can use that to kill it. But you have to shoot it in its neck or its head. Okay. And these guys are fast. You have to either be an excellent shot or you have they have to be caught off guard or something, which is nearly impossible because their sense of smell is heightened. Their vision is heightened. Like they know when somebody is around. You cannot. It's almost impossible to off them. You really just can't. Maybe when they're in human form, when they have to rest, apparently they have to be in human form. And that's like obviously their weakest form out of the two. So maybe like that, you can try to scare them. I did see that another way though, um, is through a shaman. So again, shaman, uh, shamans, um, they practice 
like magic too. They're very in tune with the ancestors. They practice rituals and stuff like that. And somebody who's a shaman is very, like holds a lot of power. Their life is devoted to this. They literally will never know any other kind of life once it's revealed that they've been blessed with this gift. So you have to find one who's very familiar with good magic and they'll, they're supposed to perform a ritual to return the shapeshifters evil back to them. So pretty much they have to take it out of them. And once it's taken out of them, it's not much longer before they die. So it's those two ways. It's not easy. So that's why people say it's pretty much impossible yeah. to kill them. I'm not taking my chances. Someone says my name. No, they fucking didn't. Someone's trying to get my attention. No, they fucking didn't. Someone's in distress. Well, tough titties. I ain't helping. God, that makes me sound like such a bad person. <laughs> There's a place that a lot of people know about called the original name Shapeshifter Ranch. Mm, yes. Um, I think it's in, it said it's in Ohio or Utah. I confuse the two. Utah. You confuse the two. I think it's two. in Utah. <laughs> I know. They're like not the same, but you know. <laughs> the reason I get confused is because I hear of Utah, then I hear Ohio, but I also have family that lives in like Iowa. And then like I end up confusing all them names. Utah's like here. Like if we're looking at a map and this yeah. is the West Coast yeah. and this is the East Coast. Utah's yeah, here. Ohio's over here. No, they're not even close. Let me see. It's in yeah, Utah. Yeah, for those listening, I am pointing to where they would be geographically on a map. And they're not close. <laughs> yeah, it's in Utah. Okay. And there's some documentaries on that if you're interested in checking them out. Um, apparently, when they were recording the documentary. There's one on Hulu, isn't it? It may be. It's like the History Channel that did one. And then some other people that did one as well. Apparently, they had a lot of, like, issues with their equipment, their lights, their microphones, even their cameras. But people were like, how is it that their cameras didn't mess up? Apparently, their cameras also were messed up, but obviously, they carry a lot of equipment. So, there's documentaries if you want to check it out. And then, of course, there's also the Appalachian Mountains. There's so much The mountains, there. there's a lot. It's like a freaking maze in there. And if you don't know where you are or what you're doing, where you're going, if you don't have a guide... If you know nothing, you can get lost in there and nobody will ever see you again. Okay, so I've seen Mm -hmm. there's people that live on the mountains and they are like, they just know the precautions that they need to take. They know what to do, what not to do, how to be careful to avoid any, you know, any accidents. Um, And I have, I actually have a friend that lives in North Carolina and I was kind of asking her and for some reason she was like, I don't believe in them, girl. And she was like saying the name. So like nothing like I'm like, girl, how are you going to say their name? They're like outside your door. Well, I know like if you go on TikTok and like I'm on the obviously the paranormal side of TikTok mm-hmm. and the side of TikTok that does believe in the paranormal. So a lot of the indigenous community, a lot of like witch talk and things like that. And then if you read through the comments, a lot of them are like, this ain't true like i've never experienced this this isn't true this is only a small subset of people and then there's other comments who are like yep you like thank you for bringing this to light i had a similar experience and things like that so it's you really do get everything yeah so she's out here saying it i'm just like girl you're like the you're like the people in movies that are like i'm gonna go out there and then they get killed like how are you gonna go and say their name like nothing you know Oh, t- 
to backtrack, I forgot to say, apparently another way of killing them is if you know their name. However, it's so specific. Like, you have to know who they are. You can't guess. And what are the chances of you knowing who the fuck this shapeshifter is if you come across one, you know? Like, if you're, Mm -hmm. I think the only way is if you are Native American and your tribe, your people tell you and you happen to come across them but like how are you gonna know so if mm-hmm. if a person encounters a shapeshifter and they recognize them saying their like uh i guess human name whatever they were named before they were cursed will kill them off that's why it's also another reason why it's so hard for them to disappear because if you don't if, if you don't know them there girl <laughs> This is that you are not walking out of there alive. So, um, yeah, back to my friend. Yeah, so she was saying their name, but then later she's like, "Oh yeah, girl, I've heard things. How are you gonna tell me?" And I told her but this too. Heard like, things. I'm not talking and shit on my like, friend. Just... Yeah, I'm not talking shit on my friend or anything. I told her this. I was like, "Girl, how are you gonna say their name all willy nilly? Talk about I don't believe in them, but then later you're telling me that you're afraid because." You have heard things outside of your home. Like, you live in a kind of rural area. Like, what? It's like, girl, you are looking like a prime rib right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, girl, what? So, um, I'm pretty sure if I was to ask her, she could tell me some stories. But at the same time, she, maybe not. She's kind of a hermit. So, maybe not. But I know she has probably seen things, heard things, uh, smelled things near her living where mm-hmm. she lives she was she's right next to the mountain so that is pretty scary and same how she said on tiktok i've seen videos like there's a woman that lives in the mountains her family's lived there for generations apparently and she has i don't know if she still does but she had been documenting of a mimic um like following her around and it looks and sounds like her husband but she's never mm, seen mm, it mm, head mm, on mm, mm. No, 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 yeah. no, no. And she's never seen it head on. It's always been like peripheral vision. Like when you're doing something and your husband just walks by to go to the backyard or whatever. And then she looks mm-hmm. and nothing's there. She says that she's had moments where she hears him calling. And at first she'd be like, what? What? And nothing. And then he'll walk in from outside. And Where were you? Like, what do you mean? I was outside. She's like, I just heard you upstairs. Dude, my sister's had experiences like that. Yeah. There's this one time where she was washing. It was in the bathroom and she was washing her face and she heard her husband say, hey, hun. And she was washing her face and she was like, yeah, yeah. Like, give me a sec, you know. And he like didn't respond. So she's like, whatever. You know, he probably just went back to the room and he went. She went to the room and she's he was there. He was laying on the bed, just like chilling. And she's like, hey, like, what's up? And he's like, what are you talking about? She's like, you called me. And he's like, no. She's like, well, have you been in the room this whole time? Yeah. When did you last leave? I don't know. A while ago. Like, so you weren't in the bathroom. No. And it's like, oh, what the fuck mm-hmm. is that? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, you just have to be careful don't try try to be respectful don't say their names so that they don't snatch your ass up but to end it i just wanted to tell you know read a story that i saw it was really hard to find one like i said all i saw was like you know podcasts and all that but like i don't want to steal their stories i want to look for one myself and if the one i'm gonna tell has been told i didn't steal it from anybody's podcast i found it online (laughs) um 
And again, some of the info might be a little bit different because, like I said, it's kind of all up to interpretation because we know what we know based off what I found. But again, some of it could be made up. It could be different depending what part it's coming from. Like La Llorona, we're from Mexico, but the story might be different in Michoacán than in Jalisco or Venezuela or whatever. So it could... That's a totally different country. Oh, it sure is. I was thinking about Veracruz. (laughs) What is wrong with me? (laughs) But you know what? I'm sure there's a story of the white lady in Venezuela. Okay. Oh, 100%. There's a white lady everywhere. There was a white lady in my story. Except it it, it worked out in Ambrosio's case. I meant to say Veracruz. Okay. I'm sorry. (laughs) So this is called It Was Like in You We Knew What It Really Was. I decided to join my bestie Karen for a three-day stay at her grandmother's place on the res. Her grandmother lives near a place called Tuba City, Arizona, in the middle of nowhere but surrounded by rural homes. We go to college together and I was kind of interested to know about Navajo tradition. The first day we stayed, it was pretty chill, nothing out of the ordinary, but then her grandma, around 67, said that a stray dog came out of nowhere and wouldn't leave. To me, it did act kind of strange and ugly looking. It was black, shaggy coat, looked like a mix between a German Shepherd and a lab. That night, we were watching a movie in the living room. The living room has big windows that looked out into the front where the cars are parked. Nothing fancy, and it was a pretty average home. The curtains were wide open, and Grandma was in the kitchen cooking dinner while we were watching a movie. Next to the window is a medium bookshelf where the DVDs are kept. Karen went to put back a DVD we had just watched, but she freaked out because that stray black dog was staring at us through the window, standing on top of the wood box outside. Not something normal dogs do from my point of view or hers. The other dog seemed to stay away from it. Karen opened the door and yelled at it to get off the box, and it ran off behind the shed. We went to the Tuba City to get some groceries, came back to the house, and the dog was nowhere to be seen. Nothing unusual. Grandma went to visit some people, so it was just Karen and I. About 5 o'clock, we heard someone trying to open the door. Both of us looked out since there had been no car heard and no dogs barking. Looking out the living room window to the door, and there was the dog trying to open the door with its paws. Its two paws were wrapped around the brass doorknob, and it was standing on its hind legs. I thought that was weird, but wasn't really freaked out. Karen was. She opened the door and chased it off. Didn't I just show you today my dogs opening the fucking door? And it's a regular fucking doorknob. I fuck. I shit you you not to everyone who's listening. I had my dogs out in the living room and like in the hallway. And I was in the office with the door closed. And they got in. And I was like, oh shit. They got in. And Jasmine's like, oh, like the fuck. And I was like, yeah, they know how to open the door. And I showed her the door. And it's a regular doorknob, like a regular circular doorknob, not even like a handle or anything. It's a fucking typical doorknob. And so I kicked them out of the office and they were outside and they were fine. And I was like, "Okay, guys, like, come on in. And what was it like two seconds and they were back inside the office? Mm -hmm. Like they know how to open the fucking door. (laughs) Oh, fuck. No, now I'm scared of my fucking dogs. (laughs) So Karen was freaked out. She opened the door and chased it off. Grandma came back later and Karen told her and grandma didn't like what she heard. We got ready to sleep and we slept in the spare bedroom since it had two beds. One window with curtains opened a little. We turned off the light but there was a sound coming from on top of the roof. Pitter patter footsteps and scratching sounds and panting. 
It then sounded like it jumped off onto the large plastic water barrel that they had. At first we heard what sounded like barking, but as it grew louder, the other dogs seemed to be barking at something also. But all of a sudden, something was running around the house barking, and it was no dog. Oh my god, just, my dog's standing, she's literally standing right fucking next to me just looking at me with his <laughs> big brown eyes, and I'm just like, oh. like, what's going on, mom? I'm just like, oh, I'm scared of you now. This barking sounded human. A deep male voice barking like it knew that we knew it wasn't a dog. It sounded like woof, woof, ruff, ruff, arf, arf. <laughs> Just exactly like that. Adding W's, R's, and A's. The way that a human would imitate a dog bark. The panting again by the window uh, started and we started freaking out. Karen decided to open the curtains to look out, which I thought was stupid. There was a stray dog on its hind legs looking into our bedroom, but this time it stunk and what I thought were two black holes in the neck, another pair of eyes twinkled. Think of those ugly glossy spiders just staring at you. Spider eyes staring at you. So I guess it had like two holes on its neck and they were eyes. Ooh, no thank you. The paws were deformed looking hands with overgrown, thick, sharp fingernails. Again, both screaming, we shut the curtains closed. Grandma came running through the door and saw it. First thing she did was grab ashes from the fireplace, load three shells into the shotgun from under her bed, blessed herself in Navajo, and went outside to shoot it. Yelling in Navajo about how the thing wasn't from there and to get the hell out of there, for it to go to linger somewhere else. Um, both of them being traditional, the next day they called a medicine man to come over and put cedar in the house. He prayed over everyone with cedar smoke and an eagle feather. He blessed the place. He made us eat bitter herbs called eagle's goal or something and he gave me an arrowhead. Apparently I needed to carry one for protection and a little pouch called corn pollen. Seems to work pretty well. The medicine man said that that dog was a sh- shapeshifter which in navajo is a long word that she calls yoshis i thought that was kind of cute the body of this stray dog which was killed by the shapeshifter made an illusion so we wouldn't know it wasn't a real dog so he killed the dog possessed it it looked like it was a real dog but they could tell it wasn't he also said that they tend to harm people by using some sort of human bone straw to spit at someone So think like a spitball, only deadlier, and they get human bones into them. So they'll like spit human bones at you to dig it into your body. Um, So doctors can't detect it, but the medicine man that day pulled a piece of human skull out of grandma's right shoulder, about two inches long and one centimeter thick. It was real because we watched him pull it out of her. That was intense. Yeah. So, just know, encountering these creatures are pretty dangerous considering what they did in order to get to where they are. Um, <laughs> oh my god, I, I wish you guys could like, see what we look like right now. Or like, what I look like right now, because I'm just like, oh, yeah. oh, this is how I feel. 
But you don't live in a super rural area, do you? Well, it is a small town. It's kind of away from everything. Yeah, I live in town. Yeah. Um, so I live in a college town. And it is. It's a big, it's a big-ish town. Let me see what the census had our population as. All right. So as of 2021, the town where I live in, or I guess the city where I live in, has 120,000 people. Keep in mind, this is also the college students like living on the university and everything. The town next to us, yeah. and like in the summer, it's totally dead. But the town next to us is around 86, 87,000 people, which is like, okay, that's a decent size. But where I'm from, the population is 309,441 as of 2021. So like 309.5. Yeah, yeah. so that's... That's more than double. That's more than double. And okay. All right. So Santa Ana, there was 309,441 people in 27.52 square miles. Currently, so I live in College Station and in 2021, there was 120,019 people in 51.3 square miles. So nearly double the size like land with half the population remember the days when we were kids when the streets were empty no. and now you can never find parking i never left my house as a kid <laughs> well i say that because well, i remember my dad used to be able to park his car in front of our house damn yeah he would park it there because my mom would come home later than him mm-hmm. so he didn't want to be boxed in so he would just put his car and then the parking would stay empty the whole day until he came home yeah but yes um is there anything more we have to add to this? I don't think so. We've been recording for over two hours. I wonder what. I wonder how long the actual episode will be. I know, right? Well, that will complete today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed what we talked about. Again, we tried our best to be as informative as we could with as much accurate information as we could get. And by we, I mean more me. Yes, and without going like too in-depth into the topic, because with this, it's like we could have talked about this for hours on end so it's just Mm -hmm. try to give like a little just just barely scratching the iceberg tip of the iceberg Mm -hmm. yep but um yeah if you have anything that any stories you would like for us to tell personal experiences or tell your friends about us please we would love to have more listeners i know we were on break Um, for a really long time if anyone's out there listening to us i know we didn't give you a heads up but i'm so sorry but life caught up to us and it was really fucking hard i'm sorry but we're back <laughs> I'm gonna tell my my one of my old friends. He was like, "Where's your guys' next episode?" And I'm like, "Have you been listening?" He's like, "Yeah, I like it." So that like made me feel so good. Jen messaged me when I posted that reel on our Instagram that like we're starting to record again. Like I, um, she texted me. She's like, "I'm so fucking excited!" And I'm like, "Oh my god, someone <laughs> listens!" <laughs> yeah. Oh, so I hope that you know to our listeners, you all mean everything to us. Whether it's one of you or 10 of you or 100, um, we're thankful. So, all right, everyone. Well, feel free to send us a DM on Instagram, a spooky state of mind, or uh, you can send us an email at spooky state of mind at gmail.com. We'll be on the lookout. Yes, and we will have, hopefully, we'll hopefully settle into a rhythm and a routine now that life has been completely turned upside down for us. Hopefully, we'll start to find our new normal. And we can post and interact regularly. But until next time, Mm -hmm. stay spooky. Stay spooky.
Bye. Bye.